everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray, and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid, giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. As you're being seated, our children are invited to Children's Church, the back of Mr. Alex. A reading from Exodus. Then God spoke all the words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not make a wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come only to rest you, to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. A reading from Psalm 19. We will read responsively by the half verse. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows forth the work of God's hands. One day tells its tale to another. And one night imparts knowledge to another. Although they have no words or language, and their voices are not heard, their sound has gone out into all lands, and their message to the ends of the world. In the deep has God set a pavilion for the sun. It comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. It goes forth from the uttermost edge of the heavens and runs about to the end of it again. Nothing is hidden from its burning heat. The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent. The statutes of the Lord are just and rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear and gives light to the eyes. 
The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, more than much fine gold. Sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. By them also is your servant enlightened. And in keeping him there is a great reward. Can people tell how often they offend? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Above all, keep your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not get dominion over me. Then shall I be whole and sound and innocent of great offense. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. A reading from Philippians. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. The tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, the landowner sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir, come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? The crowd said to Jesus, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized Jesus was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because the crowds regarded Jesus as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. This is our second week in a row when we get to hear a parable of that vineyard. So just a couple reminders. Uh, one is that wine is a symbol for joy in Judaism to this day. Symbol for joy, not just wine. The other part to remember is that uh, the, the Hebrew people regarded themselves as God's vineyard based on Isaiah chapter 6. So uh, you can go back and read this. It's called the Song for the Beloved in which uh, Israel perceives themselves to be God's vineyard. That is, they're making joy for the world. Uh, I want to tell you one thing first off, and uh, if you only get one thing about from today. Please take this away. This parable has been used for about 1,500 years to harbor and reinforce anti-Semitism. In the Middle Ages, when Christian people looked at Jewish people in Spire uh, and in other places throughout Germany, they used this parable to inflict pogroms on them. So please hear that not only is that inappropriate, that's sinful and wrong. This parable is not about the rejection of the Jewish people. That's nonsense. Jesus told the parable while he was alive. So typically, the way I visit this parable is an allegory. And there's these tenants, and they're not giving God God's due. So God sends God's son, that being Jesus. 
and they kill him, so they're going to get a miserable end. Please hear, that is the last thing Jesus had in mind, and it should be the last thing on your mind. And if somebody shares that with you, please feel free to say, you know, my priest says Jesus was Jewish and didn't hate Jews like you seem to. <laughs> and you can be harsh because anti-Semitism is growing in this country. Because we recycle dead understandings of parables like that one. So please leave that one behind if you brought it in today. I want to suggest to you that this parable is not about some rejection of the Jewish people by God, but rather I'd like to suggest that this parable is asking us, frankly, to really consider how we view God and, with the rest of the readings, how we view stuff. How we view stuff. We have these fantasies. You've probably heard of squatters' rights. And maybe you've heard of the seven-year rule, or if you build a fence in your neighbor's parcel of land and you occupy it for seven years, it'll be yours. Have you heard this before? <clears throat> Good luck in court with that, right? Um, but, but okay, go for it. Uh, we have really interesting understandings of property. And what do you know? That's what's happening in the story. There's an absentee landlord. Maybe the guys have never even met him. They're working from afar. And sure enough, it's time to give their due. And they don't want to because they've never met the guy and he didn't do any work. So they've started to think that that length belongs, well, to them because they work it. And they think that so much that they're crazy. There is no way that if you kill the landowner's child, you'll become the heir. You understand that. There's uncles, there's aunts, there's nieces, there's nephews, there's like a whole bunch of stuff. These people are deranged because they've forgotten who owns the stuff. They think they own it. Now, I want to be really clear. I, I don't want to be silly or simple. I own the deed to my house, and I'm keeping it. And I own the deed to my car, and I'm keeping it. And I sure do believe in private property. We all do. But I also would like to tell you, sometimes I think we get property real muddled. Because if I asked you, to whom does the earth belong, you would probably say God. And if I asked you, to whom does your stuff belong, you'd probably say God. But if I asked you what you're going to do today, you're probably going to say, here's what I'm going to do with my time. And when I fill out my pledge card, I usually think about what will I do with my money and my time. How funny as if we own our time. <laughs> As if we own our time. Now, we like to think we own our money, and we like to think we own our property. But I think we're pretty clear, hopefully, at a certain age, <laughs> we start to become more clear, that time is not ours. And the way we do property here in this country is not the way the whole world does it. Uh, just for example, my wife right now is in Ireland walking something called the Wicklow Way. And it's a well-established, like a 2,000-year-old path uh, it's got a trail and all that, and it's not in a national park. It walks through people's yards. They still own it, but you can walk through it. In Scotland, you can camp in anybody's yard for a night. As long as you don't burn their fields down, it's fine. <laughs> I would not like someone camping in my yard without my permission, because we do that different. We talk about property in funny ways, right? Um, 
Sure, there's animals have territory, and when they're endangered, we want to protect that, but we get animals can't own land because they don't know how to extract the minerals from it. Like, they're dumb. Only people know how to extract minerals, and that's why we own land and animals don't. And if you know the history of how we did conquest in the United States, that's what we did to indigenous people. You aren't productive enough, so you, you can't own it. Land belongs to people who know to it, how to extract minerals. This is kind of how we do property. And look, I'm not trying to call out how we do this civilly. I just invite us to hear this parable whether we consider what's really ours. Because most of the time, I like to think everything is. <laughs> so do the people in this story. I'm not saying you don't own things. I'm saying that often the Sunday school answer is, it all belongs to God. We don't live that way, and we don't even pray or think that way. We say that, and then it's my time, and it's my land, and it's my money, and it belongs to me. And the story reminds us that we are actually being called to produce a harvest that is not just for ourselves, a harvest of joy. Does God expect money in the story? God wants to share with the for people who aren't working the vineyard. What happens when we get it wrong? <laughs> well, Paul talks about what happens when you get it wrong. Paul talks about how his early life, he was dedicated spiritually to establishing credentials of ownership. I am staking my claim by doing all the right things. I was zealous for the law. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I did this all right, and then I realized I don't get to own grace. So I have to actually die to the concept of ownership of grace, ownership of spiritual dignity that I thought was going to be mine to possess or earn because it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And I think we get to hear a little bit, honestly, in Exodus of what happens when we start thinking of God as an absentee landowner. Because honestly, I know we talk about how God's everywhere all the time, but most of us live as if God's an absentee landowner. Most of us do. You notice the people in the Exodus story want that. They say, Moses, we're scared to hear God. You just tell us what to do. Because God's scary. You tell us, we'll do it. So we get these 10 things, which you all know are the 10 commandments. commandments. And you know, there's this really interesting trend still going on that we should hang these in courtrooms across the American South, because that'll really teach us how to live. And I would like to remind you uh, of a couple of things. You've probably heard me say this before. They are not the 10 commandments. In Hebrew, these are called the 10 words, because in Hebrew, they are made of 10 words. Just like English, they have prefixes. So if you want to say, thou shalt not kill, in Hebrew you put not next to kill, you make a compound word that says, not kill. Not lie. <laughs> not steal. That's how they go. And they're never called commandments in Judaism because they're not commands. They're words. And what's interesting is, when God's an absentee landowner, not here, not around, we can take ten words and make them commands because we've lost having communion with God. And one of the things that I used to do when I taught world religions uh, out in La Jolla is I would have my students come up with ten different commands. 
well, ten commitments is more like it. What ten commitments do you think are the most valuable ways for us to live with one another and with, and with God? And what do you know? Instead of not doing something, they come up with ten things we should do. I want you to consider. The easiest way to obey all ten commandments is to live in isolation. Because you will never kill anybody, and you'll never covet stuff you don't see, and you'll be alone. So is God interested in you keeping the letter of ten words, or is God interested in you living in community with your neighbor? So what do our kids come up with? The same things you would come up with. Thou shalt have compassion. Thou shalt show respect even when you don't feel like it. Those are good commitments. Those are actually pretty life-giving commitments. You could probably come, with, uh, come up with eight other ones that are really good. And I think we focus so much on this idea of rules, because deep at our core, we just think God's out there somewhere. And we think we've been left alone to kind of run the vineyard. And sometimes God gets in the way of the way we like to run the vineyard. <laughs> you know, like I actually hope God's gotten in your way of how you'd like to run the vineyard of your life. Uh, usually we're not even delighted by it. Usually we're just kind of upset and disappointed that God wants us to be gracious with somebody we don't like. <laughs> and this, I think, is what the parable is asking us to really consider. How are we running the vineyard that is not ours, <laughs> but that we're asked to cultivate joy in and share the joy out. As I mentioned, I mean, I've been filling out pledge cards for a long time. And usually when I do it, I've actually kind of already thought about what I'm going to do with my money. <laughs> what I'm going to do with my time. I'll probably still do that most of it. I'll probably mostly still do that. And I just wonder if there's an opportunity to pause before I do that and say... You know, God, I don't even know when you have to say about it, but what if we just paused and we did some discernment this year? What am I going to do with whatever time you've given me, knowing that my time is not my time? Maybe that at least be a start. I mean, this is the stewardship question. Whose is it, and what's it for? Now, I do want to give you, hopefully, a nice a nice bit here uh, at the end, and then Jim's going to tell us something nicer than what I did. <laughs> Jim's going to come up and share with us just for a second, too. Um, you notice that Jesus asked the, the crowd, what's the landowner going to do with the tenants? And they answer, he'll give those wretches a wretched end, right? Do you notice that Jesus never comments on that? He never says you're right. He also didn't say you're wrong. I don't think he comments because I don't think the crowd could hear what he has to say. Because I think they're wrong. I think when we think that God will bring people who don't share joy with the world to a wretched end, we're just like the folks in Exodus who frankly are afraid of God like we're afraid of an erupting volcano. And I think we're wrong. This is a hard pit, pit to swallow. But I think people who hoard their wine 
hoard their joy and think it all belongs to them. I think people who do horrible things to other people, like those landowning tenants, I think God still loves them. So why does it matter? Because when we live like that, the vintage we're making is just sour. And the vintage we share with other people is not even drinkable. And sometimes we've lived like that for so long, we've been drinking swill and mistaking it for, for wine. And I think the parable asks us to consider, are we drinking two-buck chuck? <laughs> Sorry, Trader Joe's. It's not that bad. Are we drinking that? Or are we drinking and producing God's wine, which is greater than us? Jim's going to tell us something nice now. Jim? <laughs> I've asked Jim to share with us, while he's on his way up here, I don't know if you know this, every preacher has one sermon. We just have one. And we try to get it right every week, and it sounds a little different, it's the same one. Jim told me he's got three, and one of them he said he's got is on stewardship. So that's what he's going to give you. He's going to give you one of his three sermons. I'm not going to give a sermon. (laughs) I'm Jim McGill, and about half of my life ago, 36 years ago, I decided to get serious about stewardship. Uh, Interestingly, at that moment in my life, I had just lost my job. And I told Beth that we need to be serious about stewardship and we needed to double our pledge. It wasn't really very big in the first place, but she said to me, Okay, Einstein, (laughs) you have just lost your job. We have two children, and I don't work. How do you propose that we do that? And I said to her, with all of the grace that I possibly could muster, I don't know. Well, the bottom line now is that we both tithe. Beth and I both tithe. That is, we give 10% of our income. Uh, That's a tall order for a lot of people, I know, because it was a tall order for us. But I want to key off of something that Mike said to us just a minute ago. Since we began this, which we began in earnest with the 10% part uh, when I was ordained. Since then, our lives have been full of the joy that Mike describes. We have found more ways to give beyond the 10% that we give to the church, uh, to to the parish, I mean, Uh, We have found more ways. We've been on mission trips. We give to charities and all of that. That's in addition. And it seems like the more we give away, the happier we are. And the more we have to give away. I, I, I don't understand it. 
I have an engineering degree, I, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, to flout engineers. I have an engineering degree, and I know that there's no such thing as 110%. You know, you can't give 110% because you only have half of 100%. So I, I know those things up here. But what I know in here is that the point is the joy. That's the point. Not that I want to have joy, I do, but, but the point is not about what I want or what I have. The point is that God wants you to be happy. And God gives these things that we over the centuries have termed commandments because God knows that they will make us happy. And God knows that they are counter-human, <laughs> counter-intuitive to humans. <coughs> and, and we will be happy. In the end of things, I think all we really own is praise. And we get to choose where to give our praise. Some of our praise is in the form of money. Some of our praise in the, is in the form of voice. Some of our praise is in the form of prayers. Some of our praise in, is in the form of time. We get to decide where to give our praise. Somebody told me a long time ago, you know, you can't, can't outgive God. And I thought, what is that? And the longer I live, the more I realize that's true. I can't outgive God. And God, as the college says, is always more ready to give than we are to receive.
the prayers of the people. Let us pray for the whole church and the world. We thank you, O God, for your universal church and its mission, and for calling us to serve you and among your people. Continue, we pray, to equip us with all we need to tell others of you and glorify your name in all we do. Lord, in your compassion, hear our prayer. We pray for the leaders of all nations, that they may seek to do your will for the welfare of the people they lead and serve. We pray for those holding public office in our nation, that they may be guided by your gifts of wisdom and charity. Lord, in your compassion, hear our prayer. We thank you, Creator God, for the beauty, majesty, and abundance of your creation, especially for its manifestation here around Clear Lake. Keep us mindful of the holiness and fragility of our earthly home and all creatures who dwell therein, that we may rejoice in being stewards and peacemakers. Lord, in your compassion, hear our prayer. O God, giver of all things, we thank you for the abundance of grace poured out upon us. May we with grateful hearts show compassion through our thoughts, words, and deeds for those who are hungry, homeless, neglected, abused, exploited, or in any other need. Lord, in your compassion, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, healer of bodies and spirits, may your healing hand touch all who suffer in mind, body, or soul. May those who attend to them use their God-given skill, wisdom, and compassion to restore them. We pray especially for those on our parish prayer list. Lord, in your compassion, hear our prayer. The congregation is invited to name their own celebrations or petitions silently or aloud. <clears throat> trusting that you are able to do more than we ask or imagine. Lord, in your compassion, hear our prayer. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for graciously restoring those who have battled and survived serious illnesses and near-death situations, that by your help and the help of those sent to them, they may continue to serve you in this life according to your will. We are especially grateful. The congregation is invited to name Thanksgiving silently and or aloud at this time. Lord, in your compassion, hear our prayer. We thank you, Lord, loving God, for the fellowship and relationships we enjoy in this gathering, and we pray that we may continue to grow in love and support for each other. Make your presence known, we pray, with those who grieve for broken relationships and struggle to mend walls created through conflict, disagreement, and mistrust, that they may seek and find forgiveness, repentance, and reconciliation. Lord, in your compassion, hear our prayer. Living God, we remember our loved ones and colleagues who no longer journey with us in this life. Have compassion on all who mourn 
and may the souls of the departed share in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your compassion, hear our prayer. Rejoicing in the fellowship of all your saints, let us commend ourselves, one another, and all our life to Christ our God. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sin against God and our neighbor. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive us our distressful and our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from the past and we cannot change. Open to us the future in which we can be changed, and grant us grace for a more and more. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. The Almighty and compassionate Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sin, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Hooray for standing. We stand before God because that works. See, this is the time where actually the movement matters because you've been made right with God even if you don't feel like it. So, the peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. Good morning, and thank you for worshiping with us at St. Thomas today. If you're new to us or haven't done this before, in the room right behind the one you're sitting in, we call it the narthex, there's these little cards that say welcome, and we'd be tremendously grateful if you'd fill one of those out and put it in a little blue basket so we have a record of your visit. If you don't want to call, don't check that box, you won't get one. Uh, you get to decide what the follow-up is, but we would be really grateful to have a record of your visit, and thanks for worshiping with us today. Uh, there are several announcements I want to call to your attention. And first, we are 13 days away from our biggest public outreach event, which is the Fall Festival, which is several years old. In fact, it's so old, we don't know how old it is, uh, but it's pretty darn old. And Linda is going to share with us some opportunities that we can support the Fall Festival. By the way, if you've never been, it's just a lot of fun. Like, it really is super fun. Uh, there'll be a circus, there'll be axe throwing and blow-up games and homebrew and the barbecue is fantastic. Uh, there's some craft vendors, there's a book sale, and Linda's going to tell you about a few things that are under her, uh, under her eyes. Yeah. Hi, I'm Linda Steis Heisler. I'm an eight o'clocker, so you don't know who I am, most of you. <laughs> but I am in charge of our fall market, thanks to the Delgados getting me recruited. And one thing I'd like to do in being a sharing Sunday, as it seems to be, is ask you to share your time and your goods with the fall market. Um, we are <coughs> collecting 
any kind of things, jewelry, furniture, well, not furniture, that, we don't have room, uh, but small kitchen goods, things that you have on your shelves that you say they're very workable, but I just don't use them anymore. I've got a crock pot, anybody want it? Uh, okay, so I have made some brochures on the round table out here for general donation guidelines, and uh, I've put together tags actually now this year for you to cut out and tape to the bottom of your item with a price you found maybe a comparable something on eBay or Amazon and now you're, you can set a price that you think we should ask for. And in also, um, did you want it returned to you? Some people have some very precious things that they'd like to share, but at the same time, if it doesn't sell, they'd like to have it back for the family or whatever. Um, also, if you w don't want to take things back, but you want to donate them to Nearly New, we'll keep those for you. So please take a look at the donation sheet. And also, if you are a, uh, an itemizer, uh, you have a sheet there with the uh, final total page with Father Mike has uh, made for you to keep for your records. Second thing is, and I'm stunned, I had about a dozen of these sponsorship opportunity flyers out there, and I've got one left, so I don't know who took them all, but I'm glad. This is for you to support the um, different activities we have at the church going on during the festival, and if you need one and don't have it, I know Father Mike's got the master copy, and you can email me, I've been in the bulletin, email or text me and I'll send you uh, sheet for you to be able to use and get back to Father Mike or myself with this donation here. And lastly, the time. I really need a lot of help between the 15th, next Sunday between services, and the actual uh, event, the market. <clears throat> and so I have my red folder out here and a sheet for signing up, and there's so many opportunities. Gentlemen, you are welcome to help. It's not a ladies thing, okay? So um, I have, I need work between services, collecting the things you're gonna bring into us. Uh, on, during the week, starting on that Monday, I can arrange with you to come up here if you wanna help sort things and arrange things with me. We can work during the day. I'm open every day except Tuesday, it says. Then I also have on that Friday, starting at three o'clock, we'll do the final arrangement and, and collection. If you couldn't bring things next week, you can bring them on that Friday before the fall festival. And then I need some people to collect money, I hope, on Saturday. And also on Sunday, we will be liquidating what's left, all right? So if you're hanging around on Sunday, we appreciate your help. So if you please put your name and phone number on here, I'll be back in touch with you. If you, oh, lastly, if you have a large donation, we've got some wonderful things like uh, Captain uh, Christopher Curran has got a sale, as he did last year, on his uh, sailing yacht that he has, uh, you can sign up and rent his boat for a couple of hours and take a group of you out. Uh, Father Mike is gonna donate a meal again this year. I have a tiny house experience that I will be donating in case you've ever wanted to live in a tiny house for the weekend. Um, and we have a beautiful clock, I think, uh, that's been donated and quite a few larger silent auction items. And we'll have one room in the hallway that used to go to the school. We'll be using that hallway for all this. So don't miss us next week and uh, during the festival. Thank you.
Thanks, Linda. And again, if you've never been to the Fall Festival, this is your year. Uh, it is, it's really a lovely time, and the spirit of the festival, well, it's 50-some years old. The spirit of the festival is palpable, and it's lovely and generous and happy. So, so uh, please do look forward to October the 21st. That's a Saturday. Hopefully, we get weather like this, and we'll be out there from 9 to 2. Uh, okay, a few other announcements I want to call to your attention. It's good to go back just for a second. Yesterday, while we were hosting a 5K race, we also ran a food distribution and fed 422 people in 97 cars, uh, which is really, really a lovely thing to do, to have a traffic problem because we're feeding that many people. Uh, and if you've never been to one of these, the quantity of food we send people away with is honestly staggering. People probably leave with $350, I'd say, worth of groceries. Um, so thanks for sponsoring that. Thank you for doing that. Uh, people tell us uh, they don't know how, but we somehow have the best one. Uh, we give the most food. It's the best food. And the best part is they say people treat us like human beings here. And that's, that's you. So, so thank you for that. Our next one of those will be Saturday, November the 4th. Uh, and you don't have to sign up. You can come at about 7.45, somewhere between there and 7.30. We're always done by 9, 9.30. It's, it's work for about an hour and a half, and then you're done. And it really is a great way to start the day. Uh, so that was yesterday. Today, at 4 o'clock, we're having a blessing of the animals. So uh, we always do this right around St. Francis Day, which was Wednesday. It's going to be right over here in the little white gazebo in Howard Ward Park. Now, just a reminder, I've had sheep and goats show up for these things before, and, and they did fine. Um, I've also had people bring cats and take them off a leash. Don't do that. <laughs> Please bring your well-behaved pet. If your dog bites, bring a photo of the dog. Uh, we can bless facsimiles. It works. Um, it is such a sweet little thing to do over here. I've done birds. I've done horses. I've done snakes. Uh, yeah, so it's 4 o'clock. Uh, it's like a 15-minute deal. It's really, really sweet. And uh, we get to celebrate what Francis reminded us, right? Of course, he said... Animals are members of our family. That's how we live. That's how we treat them, and that's how God loves them. So that blessing at 4 o'clock today. Uh, on Tuesday, there's still time to sign up for the Owl's Trip. Do you want to say anything about it, Kathy? 9.30 here on Tuesday. We'll be going to lunch at the Post downtown and the... And the Antioch Missionary Baptist Church downtown. So if you're interested, you can see Kathy Hill, and there's still sign up, but you need to see her today, right? Um, next Sunday, between services, we're going to have an artistic class on how you can make balms, uh, which, with, which it's actually meant so that you can uh, anoint maybe your cracked feet, but you can do it in prayer, or you can anoint somebody else with balm. Y yes, you're fit to do this. You are absolutely fit as part of the priesthood of the believer to anoint other people in prayer. And so Allie Hardick's going to teach us how we make our own and how we can kind of pray for them and use them, which is a really sweet thing. I will tell you, I went to the post office one day and the, the lady there had her arm broken, the lady working the counter. And, and I mean, I try not to be all evangelical, but I said, can I pray for you? And she said, boy, I love that. <laughs> And then I said, well, would you take some oil? And she said, I've never had it, but I'd love to. 
So good thing, I carry that in my car. And she said, that was like the hairs on my neck stood up in a good way. And so this is available to you. This is part of our tradition. Comes right out of the book of James that when people are sick, we anoint them with oil and we pray for them. So we'll be doing that next Sunday between services. The other thing I'd like to remind you of is that in two weeks from today, we'll start what we call the inquirer's class or sort of Episcopal church 201. So maybe you've been Episcopalian your whole life, maybe you're new. Uh, this is a seven sessions designed to tell you the history of the church, how we run the, how we govern ourselves, uh, how Episcopalians tend to use the Bible, how we use the prayer book. Um, so maybe it's been a bit since you've had that uh, class and maybe you're an expert. That's great. Uh, it's a really good conversation and reminder that our bishop is coming to do confirmation on December the 17th. So if you're interested in confirmation, these are the classes that prepare you for that as well. You don't have to want to be confirmed to come. This is really introduction to the church, but it gives you this other opportunity as well. Um, so you heard me say, and Jim talked about this, we are in our stewardship season and we mailed out pledge cards. If you didn't get one, it's probably a software problem. I have extras and I'd be happy to give you one. And reminder, please do take time to think through how God is calling you to serve God with God's time that you are a steward of in the coming year. And we are going to consecrate those pledges on November the 19th. That's the last Sunday of the church year. I know we go through December in the secular year, but that's when we're going to consecrate the pledges. So discern, but don't take too long because we want to bless the pledges on December the 19th. That's really important to me as your priest that we bless this. You can mail them in. You can drop them in the blue basket. If you want me to pick them up, I'll pick them up. I'm happy to do that. Um, but please do spend some time in discernment. Uh, about where God might be calling you in ministry in the next year, because that's what we want to do. We want to discern that, and we want to bless it. Hey, I forgot to tell you my favorite thing about property ownership. Sometimes this happens when I don't write things down. <laughs> if you're a parent, you know what it's like to own your children, because when they do something you don't like, you usually go to your spouse and say, you'll never believe what your daughter did today, right? So uh, again, we get property all funny. Okay, last thing I wanted to share with you, and this is a beautiful thing. Um, you'll get to hear this in the dedication next week. We're formally dedicating it next week. But on Wednesday, a stained glass window showed up that Christine and Stephen Alexander had worked on for about a year and a half. It was given to us by the Worleys in memory of their daughter. So reminder, this does not come out of our budget. This was a gift to us for us to enjoy in memory of Ella. And you, I, you've never seen anything like it. You haven't. And we'll tell a little bit of the story next week. But please make sure you look up and see the butterflies hanging from the ceiling too. There's five of them, and they're gorgeous. And, and this is, I don't know if you know this, the word liturgy, people think liturgy means the bulletin. Liturgy means good for the pub, work for the public at private expense. So this is liturgy. This window was given to us. It is for our good. It tells the creation story, it tells the resurrection story. Uh, and it's just a, it's a stewardship moment that we're celebrating this week. So, uh, again, we'll dedicate that glass next week along with a baptism. So that's super fun to do, too, in one day. Continue to walk in love as Christ first loved us and gave himself for us and offering and sacrifice to God.
All things come of you, O Lord. And land of Lebanon have we given you. This is the table not of the church, but of Jesus Christ. It is made ready for those who love him and those who want to love him more, so come. You who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time or ever before. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Not because the church invites you, it is Christ. And he invites you to meet him here. Our service continues on page 369 of your red prayer book. Page 369. prophets and sages, you reveal your righteous law, and in the fullness of time you sent your only Son, born of a woman, to fulfill your law, to open for us the ways of freedom and peace. By, by his blood you reconcile us, by his wounds we are healed. Therefore we praise you, joining with the heavenly chorus, with prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and with all those in every generation who have looked to you in hope, to proclaim with them your glory in their unending hymn. Drink this, all of you, 
This is my blood of the renewed covenant, which is shed for you and for all for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering now his work of redemption and offering to you this sacrifice of thanksgiving, we, we celebrate his death and resurrection as we await the day of his coming. Lord God of our parents, God of Abraham, Hagar, Sarah, and Keturah, of Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob, Leah, and Rachel, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, open our eyes to see your hand at work in the world about us. Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. Let the grace of this Holy Communion make us one body, one spirit in Christ, that we may worthily serve the world in his name. Risen Lord, Accept these prayers and praises, Father, through Jesus Christ, our great High Priest, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit, your Church gives honor, glory, and worship from generation to generation. Amen. Amen. Now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the land is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Let's pray together. Grant us, Almighty God, that we may be refreshed and nourished by the sacrament which we have received, so as to be transformed into what we consume. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Franciscan blessing. May God bless you with a restless discomfort about easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships, so that you may seek truth boldly and love deep within your heart. May God bless you with holy anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people, so that you may tirelessly work for justice, freedom, and peace among all people. May God bless you with a gift of tears to shed with those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, or the loss of all that they cherish, so that you may reach out your hand and comfort them and transform their pain into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you really can make a difference in this world, so that you are able, with God's grace, to do what others claim cannot be done. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.
yesterday's songs go in the basket. Thank you.